Hear the word of God from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. Pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now hear the word of God from Luke, chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. This reading also comes from the Common English Bible. Jesus told them, When you pray, say, Father, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who has wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks. You walk into a coffee shop in order to meet a friend, and there she is sitting at a table talking on her phone. She sees you come in, so she takes her phone and cups it to her chest and then says to you, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking to Oprah. Would you like to talk to her? Yeah, you bet you would. Or uh, you're texting a friend, and you're inviting him over to dinner this weekend, and the friend texts you back and says, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come over. Uh, Beyonce's coming to my house. Would you like to come over and meet her? Yeah, you would. I mean, who would have ever known that any friend of yours had that kind of exclusive, private access to a name that big? Of course, you could take this scenario and fill in the blank with whatever big-name celebrity tickles your fancy. If it were my two daughters, they would probably name the celebrities uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda or J.K. Rowling as people they would love to meet. Me, uh, I would say Pope Francis, or maybe Justin Bieber. (laughs) Definitely one of the two. (laughs) So now imagine the disciples. The disciples in Luke's gospel walk in, and they catch Jesus on a private phone call not to Oprah or Beyonce, but to God, a name that most people would agree is bigger than Oprah. Now, that's not such a big deal to us, I understand. I mean, nowadays, in our sort of modern spirituality, it's no big deal to find someone praying out loud or watching someone pray in public. I mean, after all, just a few minutes ago, we watched Kim do it. 
We do it every single Sunday morning. Someone gets up and prays out loud. We've been to any of a number of even secular gatherings in the community that are started by some person getting up and offering an invocation. Many of us grew up around the dinner table where we started each meal saying a prayer out loud, asking for God's blessing upon the meal. This is no big deal to us. We watch people pray all the time, which is why I find it so interesting that Luke, more than any other gospel writer, reminds us just how extraordinary it is that a person can talk directly to God. Remember, after all, this is the ancient Near East we're talking about. For the ancient Israelites and for the first century Judeans, including the disciples, you didn't just talk to God. There was a whole protocol that you had to follow, right? You had to raise the livestock, and you had to bring the animal to the temple, and you had to hand it over to a priest. And you had to watch as that priest mediated your prayer on your behalf by slaughtering that animal and placing it on the altar and watching as your prayer wafted up to God. That, that's how you pray to God in those days, not directly, by following a prescription. And that's why the disciples were so keenly interested in this moment. They, they saw Jesus talking directly to God, and it caught their attention that, that a human being, an ordinary human being like them, could possibly talk privately to the, to the Almighty Creator, the High and Holy One of all the universe. You could talk directly to that God. And that's why... Luke records the disciples asking this question of Jesus. Hey, Jesus, do you suppose we could talk to him too? The way they said it was, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Luke, that is where Jesus answers with the Lord's Prayer. This beautiful, majestic, simple prayer that has traveled throughout the centuries that has been elaborated and embellished throughout Christian history, even beyond the words that were originally recorded in Matthew and Luke. These words have been so etched into the religious vocabulary of our time. They have been so embedded into the religious culture and landscape of our spirituality that we know these words by heart. I mean, barely a Sunday goes by where we don't recite the words together. We've memorized them. They become part of our religious vocabulary. But Luke would have us answer this question. To what degree are we living the words that we pray? And you see, that's the, that's the central question. If, if we were to take a new take on an old favorite in the Lord's Prayer, it would be this. How are we supposed to live these words? Because Luke would have us believe that Jesus not only taught the disciples what to say when they pray, but how to believe, and then how to live what you say. In other words, for Luke, the Lord's Prayer not only teaches us what to say, but first how to believe, and then how to live. That's the provocative question that is the basis of our time together. When you say the Lord's Prayer, 
What is it asking you to believe? In what way are the words of the Lord's Prayer expanding your worldview, inviting you to think about God in a different way, broadening your perspective on who God is and who you are and what your relationship to the world is, and then what is it prompting you to do? In what way is the Lord's Prayer not only shaping your belief, but forming your behavior? More than just words. In what way is the Lord's Prayer shaping your way of life? And I'd suggest to you that there may be no more timely season to investigate the power and potential of the Lord's Prayer than in such a time as this. In the wake of such heartache and suffering, chaos and confusion that is wafting through this country, drifting around the world, in a world of such brokenness, in what way is the Lord's Prayer prompting us to think about the world and to act differently, particularly in the wake of last weekend's events in Charlottesville, Virginia? For those of you who receive my weekly email called The Midweek Message, You know that I spent the entire midweek on Thursday basically providing the Lord's Prayer. But instead of just offering the Lord's Prayer, I broke it down sentence by sentence, phrase by phrase, line by line. And then in between those lines, offered up a way that those lines could expand our worldview and have the Spirit shape the way we think about all the events that are going on in the country today. I offered it to you as a model for the way that the Lord's Prayer can shape our belief and then our behavior. And I want to offer it to you again as part of this sermon. But this time, I'm going to invite us to share in it responsively. I'll show you the midweek message again on the screen. The yellow-faced words are words that I'll invite you to recite in unison with me. It's basically each line of the Lord's Prayer. And then the white letters will be the words that I offer as a way of modeling for you how each line could amplify your view of God and shape your behavior. And so together, I invite your attention to the screen as we say these words. Let us pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Remind me that I am not to pray my Father, but our Father. For you do not just belong to me or people who are like me. Remind me that you are bigger than any barrier that divides me from others. And you alone deserve my praise beyond political ideology or tribal identity. Together, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amid the brokenness, evil, and injustice in this world, I desperately seek a glimpse of your kingdom, your kingdom of love in which voices of prejudice are silenced your kingdom of grace in which racist hearts are transformed, your kingdom of peace in which violent actions are overcome with nonviolence. Remind me 
of how the story of your love ends, how there will be no more mourning or sadness, where people from all over the world will gather to worship you. Now, help us see that reality now on earth, as you have promised it would be. Together, give us this day our daily bread. I need the sustenance that both comforts and strengthens me today. Grant me the bread that consoles my sadness and quells my fears for this country and its future. Grant me the bread that firms my resolve to resist evil and injustice. Remind me that there are many around me who hunger for the same. And grant me the opportunity to feed them that which I have received from you together. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Convict me of my own racist tendencies. Prompt me toward confession. And lead me in the tough work of reconciliation. Teach me how to forgive especially when retribution seems more rewarding. Help me, in the words of Richard Rohr, to overcome the bad with the practice of the better. And may that work begin within my own heart in the way I see others. Together, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Tempt me only to do good, and to seek justice when I am reluctant or fearful. Lure me away from temptations that cause more harm and do not lead to peace. And silence all voices within me but your own, that I may know the difference between the two. May my every action and thought be governed by love and not driven by my sinful instincts. And finally, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God, help me to hope. Remind me to seek the glorious eternal in the brokenness of the temporal. Focus my eyes on your power and glory that I might believe in the strength of your grace even when adversity afflicts us. Remind me that my primary citizenship is in your kingdom, which is greater than any tribe, higher than any flag, and most deserving of my allegiance. And all God's people said, Amen. You see, Jesus didn't teach us those words just to say them, to to say them from rote memory or habit. When we pray, God, God isn't calling us to just be mindless robots or puppets or actors on a stage just reciting rehearsed lines. In Luke, that's not what this is about. Jesus taught these words to the disciples so that these words might actually sink deep within their spirits and they might become portals, gateways for the Spirit to transform the way they think the way they believe, and ultimately the way they act. So I invite you, 
The next time you say the Lord's Prayer, especially in private, take your time. Do it line by line. And let each, each phrase sink deep within your spirit to challenge those wayward parts of your soul that need to be tweaked so that God might use the Lord's Prayer to smooth out your rough edges because ultimately, it's not about you. It's about God. And it's about how God wants to change you. And that, that's why I really love Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, too. You know, Luke introduces the Lord's Prayer by having the disciples walk in on Jesus and having them learn from the positive example of prayer that Jesus sets for them. That's the opposite in Matthew. In Matthew, the disciples don't walk in on Jesus. Jesus and the disciples are together. And Jesus says to the disciples, hey, take a look over there. And he points out to the Pharisees that are in the temple. And he says, look at those Pharisees. Do you see how they're praying? Watch them pray. Look, look how loud and showy they are. They're just trying to hog the spotlight. They're trying to draw everybody's attention on them. Look at those spotlight hogs, Jesus says to those disciples. And you know what he's really saying to the disciples in Matthew? Those Pharisees are making prayer about them. You see, those Pharisees think that praying is all about their needs. They're, they're just treating the Lord's Prayer as a, well, a giant vending machine, <laughs> where if they just say the right words and attract enough attention, they could find the right change and press the right buttons and get from God exactly what they want. In Luke, the Lord's Prayer is introduced with positive example, but in Matthew, Jesus is very clear. It is not about you, disciples of Jesus. It is not about you. This prayer is about inviting God's kingdom into your life and into the world. It's about allowing God to shape your behavior and your action. And in a way, Matthew was saying to us, you know what? If you're not going to pray in a way that invites God to change you, you're better off not praying at all. If you're going to make prayer all about you and not about God changing you, you might as well not pray at all. Immaculate Illibagiza knows firsthand about racial and ethnic violence and what it can do in a country. She was living in Rwanda in the mid-90s. She and her fellow Tutsi family members and friends were in a home when murderers from the majority Hutu government came storming through the neighborhood in 1994. She and a few other women were able to hide in a small, cramped, three-foot-by-four-foot bathroom as the murderers entered the house, but they could still hear through the thin walls as her family members, including her two parents and two of her siblings, were ruthlessly murdered by those Hutu butchers. It would take about a month 
before Immaculate could find the courage to step out in the open and come out of that hiding. Over a hundred days in 1994, a million Rwandans were murdered at the hands of that ruthless government, leaving Immaculate and others to grieve in their wake. Immaculate told her powerful story at the Willow Creek Global Leadership Summit that many of us watched here at the church last week. Immaculate is a devout Catholic, and so part of her daily ritual is to pray the rosary beads, which, as many of you know, includes recitations of the Lord's Prayer. For many months and even years, she struggled, for obvious reasons, about how to forgive, wanting deep within her spirit to seek vengeance on those murderers, those people who took the lives of her family. She would always get to that line in the Lord's Prayer with rosary beads in hand. She'd get to that line about forgiving our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and her heart would freeze. She wouldn't be able to say that line. She would skip over it. She wasn't ready to say it, let alone believe it, let alone act on it. And so for many months and years, she would just skip over that line in the Lord's Prayer. Rather than be like a Pharisee in Matthew and, and, and make the prayer all about her, instead she chose to simply get real with God. You want to know what she would say instead of that line in the Lord's Prayer? She offered this in an interview. This is what she would pray instead. Lord, please open my heart. Show me how to forgive. I'm not strong enough to squash my hatred. They've wronged us all so much that my hatred is so heavy that it could crush me. Touch my heart, Lord. Show me how to forgive. She'd offer that prayer week after week, month after month. And then one day, in the middle of a prayer, she heard God speak to her five words that utterly transformed her concept of forgiveness and opened up her heart and her mind to start believing in a completely different way. Those five words she heard from God were this, You are all my children. You are all my children. And suddenly she was able to view those, those murderers in a completely different way all because of that line. She would say in an interview, it was such a simple sentence, but it was the answer to the prayers that had been lost for days. Suddenly, she said, the Lord's Prayer became alive to her again. That phrase about forgiving as we've been forgiven resounded within her soul and it taught her how to believe in forgiveness and then act on it. This is what she said. The minds of those killers had been infected with the evil that had spread across the country. 
but their souls weren't evil. Despite their atrocities, they were children of God. I knew that I couldn't ask God to love me if I were unwilling to love his children. At that very moment, she prayed for those killers, that their sins might be forgiven, that they might recognize the horrific error of their ways before their time on earth was ended. And then for the first time in a long time, she held her father's rosary beads, clutched them in her fingers, and she was able to pray that line in a way that she could believe it. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's the power of the Lord's Prayer. Not just rote words that we are to memorize and say like mindless robots, but as an act of offering, as an act of obedience to a God who is here to smooth out our rough edges and introduce us to a grandeur and majesty of God's love that is hard for us to believe, let alone conceive. And if there's any part of our lives today that need to be shaped and transformed by a God who is there to forgive us and then prompt us to forgive, the Lord's Prayer is our gateway. These are difficult days, friends. These are difficult days for many people. As we watch all of the difficulty, confusion, division that courses through our country, that afflicts our communities, and even resides within your own spirit today, in your own private matters that you bring to this place. You certainly have your own fair share of reasons why praying the Lord's Prayer is difficult for you today. But Luke and Matthew would both agree on this. Pray on. Pray on. If you don't fully believe, then pray until you do. And then act because you do. Jesus did teach us how to pray. But more than that, he teaches us how to live. Let us pray together. God, we thank you for the timeless words of this prayer that invites us to full openness to you. You alone can see all of the parts within us that need to be redeemed and transformed. And so we turn to this prayer, asking indeed that your kingdom would come here on earth and that it would be built within our hearts as we seek to build your kingdom with you in the world. You give us what we need, even before we ask it. You tempt us only to do good. Give us the strength to turn away from temptations to do harm. And indeed, help us to forgive, even those that are hard to forgive, so that we can hallow your name, give praise to you who is the only one deserving because to you is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
and let all God's people say, Amen.